Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Able, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers and make an impact on the world. I'm so glad you're here for the podcast and for this episode. I've learned a lot producing 40 episodes so far, and I've learned a ton from each of my guests. If you are new to the podcast, each episode is presented by a different word or phrase, but over the course of the past 40 episodes, certain consistent themes have emerged, and this episode highlights two of them. First, no very often leads to a big yes, and everything, and I mean everything, takes a lot longer than you think it will. Naughty but nice Rob Shooter, the author of your four-word answer and the star of episode number 11, Transformation, kicks it off. J-Lo fired me. Jessica Simpson fired me. You know, I've been fired from TV shows and it always feels terrible. And I know it's a bit of a cliche to say that a no leads you to a yes, but it always has happened with me eventually. It never feels good in the moment and you definitely have to take that moment to feel sad and really, really sort of wrap yourself up in it and don't rush, take your time to grieve it. Um, But it does lead to something else. Every time I've been fired, eventually, not right away, but eventually it's been the best thing ever for me. I can speak from my own experience how devastating it is to get fired. And yet like Rob, Every time I worked through the disappointment, that crushing no led to a bigger, better yes. Filmmaker Jean-Pierre Regis and his mom, Rebecca, turned Rebecca's getting fired from her job as a hotel housekeeper in her mid-70s into a documentary film, Duty Free, which in turn has turned into a movement fighting ageism and financial insecurity among the elderly. In a nutshell, my mom had been a housekeeper for over 40 years, hotel housekeeper at different hotels, but she had been at this one hotel for over a decade, and it was actually the place that I was raised. Um, and she had been calling me saying, like, I feel like something's wrong here, and I don't know what's going on. They're not treating me the same. I, like, they're taking things away from me, tasks, etc. And so I had started to shoot just because I wanted to make sure that If for any reason something went awry, I wanted um, proof. I wanted documentation. Um, And that was my, so these were these sort of like short, like, tell me what happened today, Um, you know? And then when I was in Paris um, on a little vacation, she called me and left me a voicemail and said she was fired. And it was at that moment that I knew that this was much bigger than just you know these little sort of testimonials of my mom, but that this was a much bigger story. Um, and so I started to go down the rabbit hole of like, like let's hold the man to task. Like how dare this happen? Um, but at the same time, I thought, well, that's not going to do much good because my mom really needs to be sort of taken out of her misery. She lost everything when she lost her job. Um, she lost her sense of purpose. She lost her sense of self. She lost her family. And so I devised this idea to take her on a bucket list journey um, to sort of like raise her spirits. And so over the la- over the years of production, it was sort of balancing the two. One was, you know, dealing with my own anger of somebody who, of them firing my mom unfairly at 75 with no sort of work record or anything, but also wanting to like show her that like life is so much bigger than just a job. Um, and, and so we came up with this, she came up with a whole bucket list, um, list of things that she wanted to do. And then 
the film process was about putting those competing thoughts together. How do you take somebody on a bucket list journey, but also have the conversation around, uh, you know, worker rights, employment rights, and invisibility in older age. Producer Dave Knoll has successfully shepherded a staggering 60 television series from pitch to execution to premiere and estimates it takes about 29 no's to get to every yes. His winning strategy, just persist. Yep, just keep going. One of the things you see when you're studying successful people, and as I say, not just creatively, but entrepreneurially, is that they have these weird brains that don't hear the word no. Um, read Jerry Weintraub's insanely uh, wonderful, insightful book, and you see quote after quote about how the reason why he was so successful and he started the Karate Kid franchise and the Ocean's Eleven franchise and, um, oh my gosh, the, he... Uh, John Denver's career and he worked with Elvis and he worked with Frank Sinatra. Like this amazing, insane career where he worked with Sinatra and then George Clooney and Brad Pitt, and Julia Roberts. But what you see over and over and over again is this thought of like, just persist, just keep going. When someone says no, smile at them as if they haven't said it, make them think that you know something that they don't know. And often smiling does that, right? Like when someone says, no, I think this is a terrible idea, just smiling and chuckling. And all of a sudden it puts, wait a second, what did I miss? What did I miss about this idea? So you see this over and over and over again. Of So, so Cleve and I, no matter what, every rejection, even if there are some that are painful, right? There's some that are like, hey, we're going to do this series and we're greenlighting it for 10 episodes and $8 million. And then one executive gets fired and they call and poof, it's gone on a Tuesday. No matter what the level of rejection is, you have, we, ha we always think of it as a step forward because in our head, you need X number of rejections to get to success. You need 29 passes in order to get one yes for a new deal. That's the number we came up with 10 years ago. It's the number we still believe is true. If we pitch an amazing show, you're going to get 29 passes on that show. So every pitch we, we think, of, we think like, okay, this pitch has to be amazing. And every rejection then is literally just a step forward. So even if it's a mean rejection, why the heck did you guys show this to us. It's like, oh, well, we, we needed that slap in the face in order to step forward. And that the whole thing, every, uh, every deal you get, it's only one deal out of four goes to series. Every show that makes air, only one out of eight is ever going to be a hit. So you just keep going, keep going, keep going, because that's the steps you need to take, no matter how harsh it is. And sometimes, obviously, <laughs> TV is harsh. Sometimes too harsh, as we all know. Um, and so like, so I'll say like, you know, like there are days where they're so bad where I say to Cleve, look, I cannot continue today. I cannot do it. I know it's only 1110 in the morning, but I am taking the rest of the day off. That was too much to handle. But no matter what, tomorrow, the next work day, you just think, oh, that was a step forward terrible too bad we were we had this whole show set up and all these people and now we have to call them all and say it's gone 
But that was just a step forward. We knew that was going to happen. Something like that is always going to happen. It's always a step forward. One of the things I've definitely realized is you can accomplish almost nothing amazing in a year. That is one thing that I have learned. You can accomplish almost nothing worthwhile and amazing and impressive in a year. But there's almost nothing that you can't accomplish that is amazing or worthwhile in 10 years. So if you're focusing on the next 10 years and not what's happening tomorrow or the rejection you got today, it's so much more valuable. Identity came up in my conversation with filmmaker and musician Matt Wells. He was a household name in Canada as host of Much Music, and when that job went away, so did his sense of self. Digging really deep, he hit another big no in the final callbacks for the touring company of a Broadway show, which taught him that sometimes the no is just as important as the yes, because those two brutal no's opened extraordinary new doors for him. As I left Much Music, I was now going out into this world where before I was the guy, I was Matt from Much Music. Without that, I was just this unemployed host. And that sucked my confidence, right? So I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I was doing some hosting. I was trying the acting. But I do remember um, I wanted to find a way that I could combine. I, I, was, I was lost. Like I said in my post, I was trying to figure out what is it that makes me happy? What do I want to do? And how can I make a, a living for my family? And I knew that I love music and I love performing it. I knew that I felt comfortable on camera and I was given an opportunity to start auditioning for some of these larger musicals that would come to Canada. So they'd be on Broadway in New York and then through Mervish in Toronto, you'd have them like Kinky Boots, Rock of Ages and Once the Musical. I started getting auditions for these, but I didn't have a theater background, but I had a music background, a little bit of an acting background, mostly on camera background. And I got an audition for Once the Musical, which was like, this was my show. I had met Glenn Hansard. I had interviewed him through Much Music. He's from Ireland. I'm from Newfoundland. We had connected. I loved his music. I got this audition and did the first one, got a call back. And they said, Matt, they want to see you. I was like, oh, this is so good. So uh, to me, I was like, this is it. I'm going to do this for this six-month run. This is going to change my life. You had to learn one song from the show, bring in another song that you could do on your own and uh, a big monologue and a scene all with an Irish accent, which luckily for me from Newfoundland, I could turn on really quickly. It was no problem for me to go to an Irish accent. So I get to the last audition and I'm, my agent tells me we're down to like two, two or three people for the lead. And I go in and I perform the song which is not easy. Glenn Hansard is very talented and his songs are in this very weird tuning. And I went in and I just killed it. The song was so good. I did my monologue so good. And it was all the producers from New York. And then I could see it in their faces. I was like, I got them. I'm going to get this job. And then one of them said to me, could you do another song from the show? And I hadn't learned another song from the show. The breakdown and the, the directions from casting was just like just one song from the show and what and a couple other songs. But at the time, the producers, they weren't privy to that casting. They were just now looking for their guy. 
And as soon as I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, was I supposed to learn another song from the show? And their energy just, and at that moment, I had them. And a second later, I was like, they don't want me. I said, I can do a bunch of other songs. And they said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I did the song. And all I was thinking the whole time was like, what just happened? Walked out, didn't get the job. And I don't have a lot of regrets. You know, I, I truly believe things happen for a reason and when they're supposed to happen. I believe in that moment, had I learned another song from that show, I would have got the job. And it re it, this was sort of in the wake of me leaving uh, much music and it was devastating to me because now I, I was like, well, I can't even do this. Uh, but I quickly learned that there was nothing more I could have done in that moment to prepare. I could have over-prepared and said, mm, maybe I should learn an extra song and perhaps I should have. And in subsequent auditions I have. Um, but it took me a minute, but I, but I got over it and I, I had to remind myself that I was fully prepared for that show. But Barbara, had I got that show, I wouldn't have been hired on to host uh, another show that happened immediately after, which was just a pilot that Mark Burnett had produced. And there was a chain of events that had me end up meeting people because of it that met someone who's now become a very good friend who produced Crown and Anchor with me. So... If I had got once the musical, it would have sent my life in a different direction. I wasn't supposed to get that. And all these other things happened because I didn't. And I had to remind myself that, and they were in different worlds, right? So it was about change. It was about growth. It was about learning, right? Learning that sometimes the no that you get is just as important as the yes. As I mentioned earlier, another major theme that comes up a lot in the Camera Ready and Able universe is the cold hard fact that everything takes longer than you think it will. Nancy Red is a television host and the acclaimed author of several books, and she knows firsthand about grinding through the long haul. Nancy said it beautifully in our episode about representation. Don't hang in there with the wrong impression, but hang in there with the projects that your heart and soul truly do believe in. I have been talking to you at this point again for two decades almost, Barbara. And even then, it's hard for me to understand, and it's hard for anyone to understand. Everything takes so long. You can feel like there is no movement with whatever your projects are, and it's all over. But just hang in there. Don't hang in there with the wrong project, <laughs> but hang in there with the projects that your heart and soul truly do believe in. Like it took me years to get the book. When I first started, when I came with this idea for the book, my daughter was like three years old. My daughter is now seven years old. <laughs> Everything takes a long time and you need to have runway to do that, whether that's financial runway. And just as importantly, you need to have emotional runway. And I think over the years, I have really developed more emotional runway to let go while simultaneously not letting go. And I think anyone listening to this, building more emotional runway into your processes will help you do the best project you can. Because I see a lot of uh, my mentees um, rush their products and they're not as good as I know they can do them, but they are terrified. And, and sometimes you have to rush something because you're trying to deal with a zeitgeisty issue. But give yourself the emotional runway to ensure that you are doing right by yourself 
and your dreams for yourself. I wholeheartedly subscribe to Bevy Smith's mantra, it gets greater later. Bevy is a legendary manifester who writes about the seven years it took her to go from fashion advertising executive to successful media personality in her book, Bevelations, and she breaks it down here. You'll want to take notes. Oftentimes you'll hear people say, Barbara, and I know you've seen it. So many people come through your door and they are on fire and they're going to do this, that, and the third. And if you were to check up on them two years later, they've gone back to their old lives because it didn't happen. Well, how long did you pursue it? A year. Did you really, is that really pursuing something? A year, two years? It took seven years. And, and I don't know, you know, even if you're not a Christian or whatever, you should know that seven is the number of completion in the Bible. So it took seven years from quitting Rolling Stone for me to secure Fashion Queens on Bravo. Seven years. Um, and if I often look at it, as a matter of fact, you know, a year prior to me getting Fashion Queens, I called up a dear friend of mine, Ali Muhammad, and I said to him, I think we should do a docu-series called Last Chance Bevy. And I was like, I want you to follow me around because if it doesn't crack in this year, I think I'm going to go back and get a nice, big, lofty fashion job. I think I'm going to go back and do it because it's like, there's no need for me to struggle. I can go get a very big job. When I quit Rolling Stone in 2005, I was making $350,000 a year. So I knew I could go back and get a nice, cushy gig. And, um, you know, thank God I didn't. Because if I had quit in year six or in year five, this life that I have now where I wake up every morning and I get to decide what it is that I want to do and how I want to live my life. And I can take an hour out and hang out with my friend Barbara and talk on her podcast. And then after this, I'm going to do a book signing at Housing Works. And then later on, I'm going to see my friend Amanda Seals at the Apollo for a smart, funny, and Black series. It's like, I don't get to have this if I quit in year five or year four or year six. I don't get it. So staying the course, doing the work, believing in yourself and understanding that just to have a drive, um, just to have a desire, just to have an intention is not enough. You must put work behind those things. And you must have the wherewithal, the, the, the resolute tenacity to stay the course. Even, and we, oh, Barbara, this is a really good one. Look out for the small signals from the universe that you're on the right track. There was no denying that I was supposed to be doing this because the universe kept rewarding me. Not financially, the universe had me broke as a joke. But as far as the work I kept getting, I kept getting better and better assignments. Oh, Bevy, you're going to interview Natalie Cole on, inter um, on um, Access Hollywood. Oh, Bevy, you're going to, um, you know, interview, you know, um, Andre Leon Talley for BET. Oh, you know, kept getting all these really great nods that the, the universe was telling me, yeah, you got it, girl. You, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. If I had been ignoring that because I wasn't making money at it, that's only one way to, to chart success, the money. You got to look at the, the, the work that you're doing. And if the work that you're doing is actually fulfilling you, then yeah, you're successful. You're winning. That's all we all want, right? We all want to be able to realize our dreams, to 
you know, in my book, I would talk about daring to dream. I dared to dream and, and then the universe conspired to give me my dreams and make them come true. Now there was no money attached to it initially, but then the money caught up and it's cute now. It's nice for me. I got a nice life. Look at you. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, look at you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you would like a free copy of my ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera, please skip on over to my website, ableintermedia.com and help yourself to the complimentary download. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.